Bible Talk with Jane and Shannon. I am Jane. And I'm Shannon. Tonight we're going to talk about uh, the Revelation series number six, Unsealing the Scroll. And like we did the last five episodes about Revelation, I'll read the chapter from the message and then we'll just talk about it. We'll use all sorts of translations, but it's good. Like Shannon reminded me before we started, there's a blessing for people who read it aloud, right? Or who read it? Does it say read aloud? Or read aloud. So, hey, we're getting blessed, and you're getting blessed by listening. So, this one, <clears throat> chapter 6. So, here I go. I watched while the lamb ripped off the first of the seven seals. I heard one of the animals roar. Come out. I looked. I saw a white horse. Its rider carried a bow and was given a victory garland. He rode off victorious, conquering right and left. When the lamb ripped off the second seal, I heard the second animal cry, Come out! Another horse appeared, this one red. Its rider was off to take peace from the earth, setting people at each other's throats, killing one another. He was given a huge sword. When he ripped off the third seal, I heard the third animal cry, Come out! I looked. A black horse this time. Its rider carried a set of scales in his hands. In his hand. I heard a message. It seemed to issue from the four animals. A quart of wheat for a day's wages, or three quarts of barley, but don't lay even a finger on the oil and wine. When he ripped off the fourth seal, I heard the fourth animal cry, Come out. I looked. A colorless horse, sickly pale. Its rider was death, and hell was close on its heels. They were given power to destroy a fourth of the earth by war, famine, disease, and wild beasts. When he ripped off the fifth seal, I saw the souls of those killed, because they had held firm in their witness to the word of God. They were gathered under the altar and cried out in loud prayers, How long, strong God, holy and true? How long before you step in and avenge our murders? Then each martyr was given a white robe and told to sit back and wait until the full number of martyrs was filled from among their servant companions and friends in the faith. I watched while he ripped off the sixth seal, a bone-jarring earthquake, Sun turned black as ink, moon all bloody, stars falling out of the sky like figs shaken from a tree in a high wind. Sky snapped shut like a book, islands and mountains sliding this way and that. And then pandemonium, everyone and his dog running for cover, kings, princes, generals, rich and strong, along with every commoner, slave or free. They hid in mountain caves and rocky dens, calling out to mountains and rocks, Refuge, hide us from the one seated on the throne and the wrath of the Lamb. The great day of their wrath has come. Who can stand it? Wow, that is a violent chapter. Yeah, Scary. Up, up until now, we've had little pieces of um, exciting visual things. But this is, this is just, longer. it starts running right away. And First off, uh, the first thing I want to talk about just a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think this chapter specifically goes against the concept of the rapture. Oh, yeah. Specifically. Mm -hmm. The tribulation mm -hmm. is, this is the tribulation. Mm -hmm. This is the worst of the worst. And the last thing mentioned after the horses was, before the, before the earthquake, was wait a little bit more until your fellow Christians yeah. are martyred. Yeah. So that is, I think, abundantly plain. Yeah. Because these things are happening in an order for a reason. So, mm -hmm. All right, so let's go to the very beginning. Yeah. 
It's now the this, lamb that's opening the seals. Yeah, so that's Jesus. Jesus opening the seals. And that white horse is not the horse, not no, Jesus. Revelation 19 is when Jesus returns. When Jesus comes out on a horse. On his white horse. This is a different, different white horse. And there's a lot of symbolism here. Yeah. And the colors of the horses are very symbolic. Yeah. So... The rider comes out. They don't even describe the rider, just the horse. No, just the, just so the horse. John's only describing that. Okay, so <clears throat> this is very interesting. Uh, in Starting in verse 2, it says, I looked, and before me there was a white horse. Its rider held a bow. He was given a crown. He rode out to conquer men on conquest. Mm-hmm. Who's riding the white horse? I, I think these are angels riding the horses. I think this is the Antichrist. Really? I don't. Yeah. I don't, uh, but... And, and I, I've, the reason I'm thinking that is because um, some of the symbolism here. Mm-hmm. Okay? Rider, uh, a white horse, white is peace. Mm-hmm. So there's unprecedented peace when the first guy comes out. Mm-hmm. How is that well, part of the tribulation? Well, let's look at the rest of it. The rider held a bow, no arrows, but he held a bow, uh-huh. which means he has the capability of military strength, but he doesn't have to use it. Mm. And he was given a crown, a victory garland, yeah, by the people of the earth. Oh, these, are the, well, these are the people of the earth turning on themselves as we get into this. Well, it could be. I guess it could be the. And he rode out as a conqueror. So this is worldwide conquest and un- unconditional peace. And look at me, what I can do. True. So it could be the Antichrist. And if we look at, uh, if I go to Matthew twenty-four, mm-hmm. starting in verse four, Jesus answers, "Watch out that no one deceives you." For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. Mm-hmm. And then he says, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. But see, that you not alarmed, such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Mm-hmm. Nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. So he says, the first thing he says is, many will come in my name, mm-hmm. claiming I am the Messiah. So I think that's what You could be. He is riding a white horse, like right. Jesus' horse. So, I mean, imagine right now in the world today, with all the conflict and all the ugliness we have in this world, a one-world leader could come out and stop it all. Mm-hmm. And it would yeah. all stop. People would give him a crown. Sure. He, that, he, would, be elected as, he would be elected as the ultimate leader because yeah. he could stop all this terrible things happening. I mean, so. You might be right. That could be the Antichrist. I don't know, but the, those are good arguments. So, And then we have the second one. All right, a red our horse. second seal. Do you think that's a, a Rome? No. Bright red is in... blood red. Oh, blood. I think these are. I think these these horses are similar to our horses, but they're not like our horses. Well, that's true. I think the colors are. You know, you cannot find a blood red horse. No. That's constantly, that's completely blood red. No. So we have right. okay. Another horse comes out, a fiery red one. Mm-hmm. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make people kill each other. Ugh. So the thing that I think is interesting here, as we look through the tribulation here, we will see that we are doing it to ourselves. Humans are doing it to other humans. Mm -hmm. We elect the Antichrist. Mm -hmm. And then it says he comes out and he he takes peace from the earth. So we had this period of peace and now we have a period of total war and people are killing each other. They're slaughtering each other. Mm -hmm. Um, The word that's actually used in Greek, it means to massacre. Oh my goodness. People are massacring each other. Yeah. And... He has a sword. Obviously, he has mm-hmm. he has a, a weapon of destruction. So, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the red. Well, that's obvious. Blood. Yes, red is blood. Red has always been um, Ares, the Greek god of war. Mm. Everything was red. You know, yeah. red is war. Yeah. Red is blood. 
So we have the Antichrist followed by un peace, followed by total war, and then... And then we have uh, uh, economic de destruction. Verse 5. Yeah. <clears throat> when the Lamb opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come, I looked, and there before me was a black horse. And that was interesting. Um, if you look the first one in verse 2, the way it's, the way it's been mm -hmm. translated, there was a white horse, exclamation part. Mm-hmm. When the red one comes out, it just says a fiery red one. Mm-hmm. And then when the black horse comes out, exclamation point. I just thought that was interesting. Mm. Um, its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four creatures mm -hmm. saying, two pounds of wheat for a day's wages, six pounds of barley for a day's wages, and do not damage the oil and wine. I think it's uh, economic destruction. I think it's also famine. Famine, yeah. People are, people are suffering. People are hungry, yeah. Because if you think about it... Um, a quart of wheat won't even really make a big loaf of bread. No, and if you have to live on it, yeah. a day's wages, if all you got is a quart of wheat, that would feed one. Yeah. And what's That's about it. the rest of the family? Yeah. What about the rest of the family? What about the elderly? What about those that can't, can't take work. care of themselves? Yeah. They will just die. Yeah. And then it says six pounds of barley for a day's wages. Barley has less nutrients in it than wheat. Oh, okay. So you might be able to try and get your family make barley on barley, barley because of the mass, because of the bulk you have, but it's got less nutrients. So you're just mm -hmm. going to waste away slowly. And still, three quarts of barley, that could make one loaf of bread. One loaf of bread for a whole family. Well, six, no? yeah, two pounds. My, the NIV translation is two pounds. Um, mm -hmm. Other translations, it's one measure and three measures. This one says three quarts. That's right. Yeah. 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 Whatever. You know, they weren't using quarts at the time, but and they weren't using pounds at the time. Yeah. Either. No, but these are in modern. It's just measurements. Languages. Yes. Yeah. Trying to put them in. And there's another really interesting thing here. So this is this is famine. People are starving. People are barely barely surviving. Yeah. And they're measuring out food by yeah. these small measures. Right. And this is, you know, this seems to be a worldwide thing, except. It says, do not damage the oil and the wine. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Why oil and wine? I have no idea. I have no idea. Well, I read, there was, I read in, in a couple of these different things. I read uh, two different possibles. Okay. Oil and wine may be the Christians. Mm. Because oil and wine are sacrificial things that are used temple-wise. That's one, one thought. Mm. I don't like that and, thought. But it was an interesting thing because they said... Um, this famine will probably be on the scale of the famine when Joseph was in Egypt. Okay. And we're talking about Old Testament Joseph, right, Old not, Testament not Joseph. Jesus's stepdad. No, right. Joseph in Egypt, uh, a famine on that scale, mm -hmm. and in those days, God protected His people through telling right. Joseph how to survive it. Mm -hmm. And so he may be helping the Christians survive this by telling mm -hmm. them when to plant, what to plant. So what's the other idea? The other concept here is that oil and wine are also wealthy things. Mm -hmm. So while the poor may be eating bread, mm -hmm. the wealthy have oil and wine. And I could see that happening in our world. I if could there's see a that. great famine, yeah. the wealthy people are not going to suffer from the famine. No. I, I kind of, my opinion, I would see it more that way because I think the thing about wheat and barley is literal. This is, it's going to be very expensive. So why would John go from 
literal wheat and barley then go symbolically to oil and wine being symbolic. But I think it just means, like you said, the, the wealthy... Oil and wine would be the ultimate luxury for you can barely afford a loaf of bread. Yeah. So, so the wealthy will have the oil and the, the wine. The wealthy will have everything they need, and yep. everyone else will slowly starve to death. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, what a terrible thing. Immediately yep. following war, then we starve. Mm-hmm. And yet we saw that. Yeah. When we were in Somalia, that's where I met Jane, was in Mogadishu. Uh, we were sent to Mogadishu on a peacekeeping mission. Uh, the UN went over and the U.S. Sent, went over as well. And the concept that we were supposed to be doing is helping them maintain peace enough so that they wouldn't be killing each other in a civil war because they'd mm-hmm. had a civil war and it completely destroyed their entire society. Um, there was no banking system. There was no government. There was nothing. I mean, it was 100% tribal right. chaos. And they were starving. Mm-hmm. People were starving to death because the people with power kept the food. Yeah. And so the UN went in there to try and stop that, which um, didn't, work. didn't work very well. And it certainly, if you look at Somalia today, you know, we're, we're talking almost 30 years later. Yeah. Um, it has not improved much. No. And it's this, Somalia's been like this for hundreds of years. No, not hundreds of years. They were very, very modern before we went. Oh, really? Yes. They had modernized I under didn't know that. kind of a dictator who yeah. had enforced modernity on Well, them. but the tribal thing has always been there. I guess well, that's the tribal the tribal thing's been there, but they had multi-story buildings and right. an economy and a military and all those mm-hmm. kind of things. Um, and, I mean, when I went into downtown Mogadishu, mm-hmm. it looked like a, like a city in the U.S., except all the glass was gone and the buildings were bombed out. Oh. But at one point in time, they were fairly westernized. Mm. But some of the generals overthrew the president, who was a tyrant. I mean, mm-hmm. he got there by, by bad means, but he was doing what we in the Western world would have said was good things. Mm-hmm. Some of his generals overthrew him, and then they started fighting amongst themselves, yeah. and that's where you got your civil war. Um, but while that was going on, the guys with the most guns were eating well. Right. They kept all the food. And there was starving children everywhere. Yeah. We saw yeah. that. We saw it so blatantly clearly. So that's what's going to happen to the, the, the world. Kids living in garbage dumps because they yeah. were digging for stuff to mm-hmm. try and make a living. Children. Um, I remember vividly, I remember all the kids we had personal contact with. There was one mm-hmm. little girl. She was tiny and had a little high-pitched voice. But when you were talking to her, you could tell she wasn't the age of her size. Mm-hmm. She was older. Mm-hmm. But when I asked her, she had no idea how old she was. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine a child in the United States that doesn't know how old they are? Yeah. Birthdays are a big thing for us. Yeah. We mark those as, as, as special things. Mm-hmm. This little girl had no parents, had no family, and had no idea how old she was, mm-hmm. how many years she'd been alive. A very, very sad situation. And this yeah. is what it's coming to again. Yeah. This is what's coming towards the end here, but it's mm-hmm. coming worldwide. Ooh, oh. So we've got, oh, yay, peace, all-out war, and war is followed by famine, which that is typical, too. Mm-hmm. A failure of things to grow and to flourish, and uh, it's less and less people. We are, as a world and as a nation, we are supporting each other. Right. People in New York City would starve without farmers. Right. But the farmers would starve if nobody would buy their grain. Right. So we all work together. But if mm-hmm. you take out a big chunk of the population, right. things will fall apart. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If we look at the Dust Bowl, mm-hmm. what happened in the 1930s in the U.S., 
and how horrible it got during the Dust Bowl. Mm -hmm. The agricultural land, um, much of it that was being handled right, was overtaken by the dust from the land that was yeah. not being done right. Oh, and people starved. Yeah. People were literally starving to death in their own homes. And the agricultural people of the, of the country at the time had to leave and completely leave their land mm -hmm. and move into a city trying to find food there. And we had soup lines and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, that it's a, it was a horrible time in U.S. history, and it's a horrible time coming for the world then, too. All right, we're to the fourth seal. Why don't you read that one again? Okay. When he ripped off the fourth seal, I heard the fourth animal cry, Come out! I looked, a colorless horse, sickly pale. Its rider was death, and hell was close on its heels. They were given power to destroy a fourth of the earth by war, famine, disease, and wild beasts. This is very interesting, too. Oh, it's horrible. It is horrible. I mean, imagine like a, a vomit-colored horse, first of all. Ew. But the rider and the horse are not alone. No, hell's coming with hell them. Hell is following close behind, and it says they were given power. And the rider, oh, it, now here, uh -huh. it uh, uh, identifies the rider first time. Right. Its rider was death. Right. And hell was close on its heels, so it's like we always think of that. The death guy oh, wearing the, a black the skeleton with the with the black robe. Yeah, so you think of a skeleton with a black robe, black right? Identified this is death. Yeah, a pale. I, I think of the pale horse. You can see all its bones and stuff. Maybe yeah. not. It just. But sickly. Yeah, sickly. You know, a sick, half dead horse ridden by death. Mm -hmm. You know, you can see that. Yeah. And Hades was following close behind, and they were given the power over a fourth of the earth. Yeah. One in four. Died. Died by famine, plague, and war. And? Wild beasts, animals. Wild beasts. Jane's been obsessed with the wild beast thing. Yeah. She watches all the news to see how many wild animal attacks there are. Yeah, and you should see our rabbits. Well, they're not attacking us yet. Well, not yet, but they attack everything else. We have a lot of rabbits that are killing a lot of plants around here. Uh, it's um, crazy. They killed all these lilac bushes, our trees. pear tree. Yeah. I think they got to the peak. We had a we had a very difficult winter with a lot of snow and the snow cover. The snow cover was covered with rabbit poop. Well, I mean, the, the snow it's came like and it stayed had, and got hard, so the rabbits could run on top of the snow. Yeah, and there's they, little black there no food poo, -poo everywhere. Yes, brown actually. Um, well, I guess the white. But whatever. But they uh, depends on what they ate. I guess <laughs> whatever. Oh my. But on top of that, um, the snow cover took away their food source, so they started eating the bark off of all these things and killing them. Yes. When, when an animal, when anything cuts all the way through the bark, all the way around the tree, it's called bridling the tree, mm. they will die. That is sad. So if you want to... Kill a tree? Kill a tree, you just cut the bark off, you know, strip around it, anywhere around it. I never knew that. Everything above that strip dies. Ah. It needs the bark, it needs the cover. So... That was a literal bunny trail. Um, <laughs> and I don't know. Bunny trail. During this wild beast, I mean, rabbits might become ferocious. Well, and think about the situations we have now. I mean, this week there was a, a mountain lion seen on cameras in downtown Spearfish. Oh, well, they've seen them in rapid. So those animals that have been kept back by the large amount of humans... As humans turn. die off, yeah. they are animals 
uh, carnivores, um, by nature, are omnivores. And they'll eat something that's dead. Yeah, and they'll get a taste for human flesh, and they'll come well, after us. And there's no nothing to be afraid of anymore. Yeah. We're not holding them back. Yeah, this is... So there's places where the carnivores, I mean, uh, starving dogs will attack a human. Yes. So it does not take much in, in this famine. People will stop feeding their Remember dogs. Remember that one guy, his cats ate him? When people, he were a people will, deputy, yeah, he was dead, and then they ate him. But so people will not the whole will not be feeding their pets if they can't eat. True. And unfortunately, one of the prevalent things here on the reservation is res dogs. Oh yeah, there are dogs running in packs everywhere. I'm yeah, a I very don't... dear friend of ours was losing calves to him this year. Yeah, he thought it was coyotes that were killing his calves when when they were first born. They were killing the calves. And he found out afterwards. It's a pack of dogs. It's dogs. Yeah. So. And that just. Any any carnivore will revert to its own survival. Mm-hmm. And when we're not a threat. We become prey. bait. Yeah. Prey. When, when yeah. we're not a predator to them, we become prey to them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, then we're on Ugh. the fifth seal. Yes. And that's about the martyrs. Yep. That's the one I was talking about. When yeah. I talked about Christians in the tribulation. We're here. Yeah. Okay. This is not going to be a happy place no. during the tribulation. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of the, those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. So these were all the Christian martyrs. Mm-hmm. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Mm-hmm. So they are there. Not only did, were they martyred, but now they are watching yeah. all these horses being released. And they say, How long before it's finished? Yeah. How long before you step in and say, okay, this is wrong? And again, from the very beginning, all of these things that are happening, you know, death in Hades come in, yes, war comes, famine comes, but it's not just that, it's the, it's the reaction of the human beings. What do we do to each other? Mm-hmm. How long does it take before someone tries to take what you have when they don't have enough? How long does it take for humans to turn on each other? Yeah. How bad a situation does it have to be before we become animals? Wild. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's yeah. And then so we're doing it to each other, and they yeah. say, "How long are you going to let this go on?" Yeah. And then it says each was given a white robe, and then they were told, "Wait a little longer." Yeah. And the enemy says, "Until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed, just as they had been." Mm-hmm. Wait, we're not done with the martyrs yet. Yeah. We have to wait for the rest of the martyrs. And then we have... So what does that say about the Christians on the earth? They're going to be martyred and killed. At the end of all this tribulation, mm-hmm. people will turn on the Christians. Mm-hmm. And... They'll blame us because... One of the, one of the writers that I was, I was reading said, this may be because God has tried to minimize the effect of the other things on his people. Mm, could be. He speaks to us. He talks to us. We have more peace because we have a reason to have peace. We don't mm-hmm. fight amongst ourselves because we have a reason for peace. We have a reason for taking care of each other. Mm-hmm. Christians always, from the very beginning in the New Testament, when you look at the early Christian church, they always took care of each other. Mm-hmm. The widows and orphans were taken care of. Mm-hmm. Could the also rest of the be, world is not doing that. Yeah. So I can see them turning on the Christians saying... They could also turn on them, but they could also blame us because... It's our God doing it, so... Well, that's possible. You know, or, I don't know. Or just simply the fact that um, if 
you are a Christian and you are reading this and you are going through these, you're seeing these things, you have hope. Mm -hmm. They don't like hope. Everything's going south. They don't want. They don't want your hope. They just so they'll try and take everything you have, and eventually they will have to take your life if you still mm -hmm. stay true to the gospel, which is what being a martyr is. It's not just dying. Yeah. Not everyone who dies is a martyr. Right. It's everyone who dies because of the word. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then we have this is the wow. stuff people hear about. Here's the final. We have a bone jarring earthquake. The sun turns black, black as ink. Or as some say the sun turns dark as night or something. Um, then, the way it says it in the NIV is the sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. Oh, that's Which black. is you cannot see through. Yeah. So it completely blots out the sun. And the moon turns red or all bloody. Stars are falling out of the sky like figs shaken from a tree. And islands and mount and the skies. I like this in, in the message. The sky snaps shut like a book. And this one says the heavens recede like a scroll being rolled up. Yeah, and islands and mountains sliding this way and that, and then all pandemonium. Everyone's running for cover, trying to hide. Think about how consistent we are now. We base everything on <coughs> our sense of time. Mm -hmm. is based upon sunrise and sunset. Oh, right. Everything is based on the consistency because the rotation of the planets and stuff, all that stuff is, is consistent for us now. Take away that consistency. Yeah. When the sky shuts up, imagine if it was totally black out there. Mm. You could not see the sky in the daytime. And at night, you had a bloody moon and no stars. Yeah. It'd just be scary. Oh, Terrifying. It would be. And if in addition to that, the earthquake going on, great earthquake, and it says, um, you know, the mountains and everything's moving. Yeah. And it says... Mountain and island were removed from their places. And they here, they could have turned to God, but they... Hid in mountain caves and rocky dens, calling out refuge. Hide us from the one seated on the throne, the wrath of the Lamb. The great day of their wrath has come. Who can stand it? I mean, they know who it's coming from. And instead of turning to worship and repent, they run and hide from him. Of course, you can't hide from God. but Right, but, yeah, it talks about them trying to hide in mountains. Mm -hmm. um, and they call to the mountains, fall on us and hide us. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting. Um, there is a place, I believe it is in Colorado, although it's a top-secret place, where they have basically an, an underground city that has, How do you been know built, then? that has been built uh -huh. in the event of a nuclear disaster. Oh. Congress and the president would be immediately spirited away and hit in the mountains while the rest of it just goes. So they're going to start a new country the with people the Congress power, people? The people in power would be protected in the, in the event of a nuclear war. Oh. Well, we know that. We're in South Dakota. That's where they had the missiles. We'd be well, the first place somebody tried to bomb. Could you imagine? Everyone else in America is dead, and they want to start a new American people with the people in Congress. You know, a lot of them are really old. They're past childbearing. Well, I don't think that's necessarily what they're trying to do. They're just trying to get them to last through the war so that they would have control when it came out and we wouldn't you know, just evolve into utter chaos. But oh. that, just, I, that struck me. Because there's these under, this underground place to go hide all those leaders, and it says, the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, and the mighty, and everyone else hid in caves. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So the people that may have weathered everything else because of their wealth and power. Oh, that's right, wealth and they power. They made it through all this other stuff and not really had to worry as much as everybody right. else. They weren't starving to death. 
when there's a war going on, the generals aren't the ones getting killed. Right, and they had plenty of money for food the and kings wine. kings and the princes and, and the rich, yeah. And then they went and hid, and anybody else who was left went with them. Hmm. Hidden caves and among the rocks. Wow. But like you said, it's interesting. Hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and the wrath of the Lamb. They, they know. Really, yeah, like it says, they know. every knee will bow eventually. Mm-hmm. But they're not bowing. No, they're just trying to hide from God. They're not bowing because they accept Christ. They're bowing because they got no choice. Mm-hmm. It's gone to that point. Wow. For the day, great day of their wrath has come, and who can listen? Mm. That is a scary chapter. It's an interesting and it's, one. It's too. real. It's going to happen. Yes. But it's also interesting the description that John gives. He's seeing all this stuff. He's up close, personal. We've talked about that yeah. with the angels, right. with he's the elders, with it. the creatures. But he's also seeing what's going on on earth. Yeah. So he sees the horsemen released, but he also sees what people are doing. Yeah. Because he sees them. People he must have just felt horror to see that. You know? I mean, he must have, he had to have an emotional response yes. while viewing this vision or sure. whatever. And it, it just must have been horrifying. But, you know, I'm reading through Ezekiel right now. Oh, that's a... And he gets to tell everybody... Crazy book, too. He gets to tell everybody all these horrible things that are going to happen, and his his wife is going to die, and God says, your wife's going to die. And you can't mourn her. And you can't mourn her. Yeah. I mean, all of these things happening, and you're the... You get to be the mouth. <coughs> oh. You get to be the one proclaiming judgment on everyone. Yeah, what a... That would be a hard thing to live with. That is a hard job. Your family, your neighbors, your friends... You gotta go out there and tell them God says you're gonna die. Yeah. And I'm gonna let the Assyrians come in and the Babylonians come in and they're gonna come and take you all out and they're gonna destroy the temple and they're gonna do all the things you think are important. We're gonna take away because of yeah. what you've done. Hey, can I read a little so the bit? People, yeah. The people here, you know, we consider ourselves as human beings, unfortunately, uh, through our own secularism, think of ourselves as being very wise. Um, when these things happen. I think it will be clear, not just to Christians, but to non-Christians. Mm-hmm. They will be able to see that the prophecy is coming true. Mm-hmm. The problem is, if you harden your heart... Yeah. If you harden your heart, if you don't repent, that's it. And basically, it looks to me like the Christians are gone by the sixth seal. Mm. Yeah. And the sixth seal seals everybody else. Yeah. That's the end of it. Um, I want to read a little bit that... I'm, I'm so excited to get into the next chapters because I want to get past the death. Well, uh, I want to read this. It's just a little commentary by Eugene Peterson. Okay. It's it's actually about Revelation 7, our next one, but it couples 6 and 7 together. So I'm just going to read it. Okay. And then maybe I'll encourage some people to come back to hear Revelation 7. It says, Revelation 6 and 7 are connected by a question and an answer. Who can stand in this world of evil? Christians can. Christians are not only secure, they're exuberant. This is a curious but wholly biblical phenomenon. The most frightening representations of evil, chapter 6, are set alongside the most extravagant exaltations of praise, chapter 7. So that's what we're coming up on. Perhaps praise is the greatest weapon we have in protecting ourselves against the fear we naturally fear, feel in the face of overwhelming evil. Just as God gives us peace that surpasses all understanding when we pray, See Philippians 4, 7. Perhaps he gives us courage that surpasses all understanding when we praise. Which, I like that. When we praise God, no matter how we feel, our eyes will be lifted up and we will, at least our 
we'll start thinking about God and and praise is brings the presence of God to us. I mean, it, it's a good thing to do, no matter what. But in times when you're feeling low or scared or anything, start praising God in any way you want to, and it will it will be a good thing. You won't regret it. Praise you in this storm. Yeah, you love that song. I love that song. That's a good song. Yeah. And uh, I guess we're done with uh, chapter six. And if you come back next time, Revelation series number seven, it's about an exuberant praise session. Should be exciting. A little bit of a spoiler alert. Yes. Jesus wins in the end. So just saying. Yeah. Get on his team now. Hang on. Well, and hang on to the end here. As we go through these things, it is a very hopeful. Revelation is a hopeful book, not a hopeless book. Yes. It is terrible what's happening. It's terrible what's going on. But what comes out the other side is beautiful. We are out there. So stay tuned. Oh, God bless. And we'll talk with you soon. Bye.